Hello, Julia Campbell here with a very time-sensitive pre-roll. I have opened the doors to my brand new course for nonprofits, The Digital Fundraising Formula. It's a step-by-step blueprint to launching wildly successful online fundraising campaigns and a formula that you can use over and over again. And the doors are only open until September 20th. Class starts September 20th. So go to digitalfundraisingformula.com digitalfundraisingformula.com and take a look, sign up, register. And I really hope to see you on the inside. All right, let's get to the episode. Hello, and welcome to Nonprofit Nation. I'm your host, Julia Campbell, and I'm going to sit down with nonprofit industry experts, fundraisers, marketers, and everyone in between to get real and discuss what it takes to build that movement that you've been dreaming of. I created the Nonprofit Nation podcast to share practical wisdom and strategies to help you confidently find your voice, definitively grow your audience, and effectively build your movement. If you're a nonprofit newbie or an experienced professional who's looking to get more visibility, reach more people, and create even more impact, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. All right, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of Nonprofit Nation. I am thrilled that you're here. I am your host, Julia Campbell. And today we have a very special guest. Suhaila Wahid. She is the managing director and fundraiser for Giving Geeks LLC. Suhaila is a community centered fundraiser and organizer based out of Austin, Texas. She's originally from the multifaceted cultural hotspot of the American South, Durham, North Carolina, where I have never been, sadly. <laughs> She's also a published poet. And she focuses her work on highlighting issues that affect the quality of life for women, children, minority, and Muslim communities. Her fundraising adventure blossomed in her youth when she began fundraising for her school and local masjid. From there, she was drawn to illuminating experiences and possibilities through storytelling and fundraising, which is what we're going to talk about today. At Giving Geeks, she creates and enhances strategy operational and developmental processes, and provide support in strategic fundraising opportunities. She's also in her free time, which is probably none, an executive board member of AFP Greater Austin. She's also the 2020 National AFP Emerging Leader of Impact. So welcome, Suhaila. I'm happy to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I am more than excited to be here with you, like the legend, Julia Campbell. So. Oh, no. You know what I love? I took this out of your bio. I can't, I think it was on your website when you wrote, I see myself the multi passionate queen working on a unique startup while leading a national organization through a successful annual fundraising campaign with a mission to take a significant burden off women and the BIPOC community. And I thought we're going to be best friends. That is amazing. Because mm-hmm. anyone that sees himself as a queen is amazing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. Like Absolutely. Friday, you know, Saturdays <laughs> and Sundays, I might turn into a sloth somewhere. You might not see me for a little while, but like, <laughs> <laughs> through Friday, I got you. <laughs> you have your crown on. Yeah. Well, let's start with your journey. Let's start with um, sort of how you got involved with nonprofit work and fundraising. Yeah, I'm down. So 
I got involved in fundraising very early on. I was fundraising probably since I was about 14 years old, literally supporting banquets and small fish fries and hosting events as fundraiser as through fundraising with my school and my masjid, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. At the time, I was just kind of doing that as extracurricular, you know, like just what someone asked me to do and Mm -hmm. running for it, you know. And then as time went on, I started school. And honestly, when I was in, I was probably like one of the the most lost kids in college. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. Somebody told me to be here. So just like, here. well, that's what happens. You go to school right after high school. Yeah. And yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to do something in the social sector, but I just wasn't really sure what. And so after college, you know, I was like, all right, I think I'm going to do social impact work. And that journey started a little bit earlier before I graduated college, mm-hmm. but I really cemented down into knowing that I, was a good fundraiser. And so after a few conversations and some research, I said, I think we're going to just go into development. And that was my intention. I started interning with some organizations and really just kind of was the fundraising runaround girl. And Mm -hmm. after that, I was like, well, I really want to learn more about how organizations come to be and how it looks to be at the center of an organization's outside of fundraising. And so I took an operations role at an organization out here in Texas and Impact Austin. And that organization, I would say, really helped me grow and define exactly what it is that I love to do. Having the opportunity to really identify what skills I knew I did well. And, you know, I kind of was able to merge the fact that I do, I love tech. I love the tech Mm -hmm. world and I love fundraising. And so Mm -hmm. with that, I started, you know, I was still fundraising the entire time, just like taking up this project, taking up this project, you know, and just kind of doing fundraising here and there. From there, I was like, listen, I'm just going to do digital fundraising Mm -hmm. and I'm going to focus on individual giving. And so from there, I decided to kind of step off on my own and, and work with the organizations that were pushing forward into missions that I knew were important to me mm-hmm. and that could use my, you know, support and advice. And so that's really how Giving Geeks was born, you know, being, asked, I love the name Giving Geeks. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, being asked to, you know, work in this space or that space. And I was like, listen, let me just wrap up what I do and offer it to anyone who is in need of, of digital fundraising support. And so we've been here rolling and rocking. That's amazing. So you wrote also on your website, your mission is backing your community in the most efficient way that you can through access to sustainable funding. Right. And is that a huge piece of what Giving Geeks does? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that, you know, a part of my experience and struggle growing up was very little access to funding for college, for basic needs, everything. And so I know that at the end of the day, if a lot of our community members are to even be able to get into a space where we can compete or we can come to a place where we can offer the best skill sets that we have, we need the funding to get there. And so, and we need it to be consistent. And I recognize that there are opportunities of giving that 
will create that for our community members. And so for me, whatever it is that I'm doing as a fundraiser, I want it to be something that is sustainable, not something that's just there for a short amount of time. I hate the idea of, of, you know, a great campaign coming into place and then, you know, the, the funding kind of just floating away after a while and that support evaporating. And what I want to see is I want systems that are sustainable in place for the missions that are most deserving because otherwise to me, it's just, it's a waste of my time. And I Mm -hmm. absolutely recognize that there is no better work than the work that I'm in, I feel like. And so if there's anything that I can do to make sure that the communities that I'm, I'm speaking with recognize the importance of sustainable funding, you know, I'm all here for Mm -hmm. it. That's awesome. Do you know Rhea Wong? By any chance, she's a fantastic consultant, writer, podcaster. Yes, <laughs> I yeah, I received an email from her this week, and the title was "Fundraising as Social Justice," mm-hmm. and it was really, it was kind of really eye opening to me. I've always thought that. Do you feel like fundraising is a form of social justice activism? A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred and twenty percent. It's so funny because when I first got into Working, when I first began working with the with nonprofits, one of the things that I kept hearing is like, yeah, it's going to be great hard work, but you're not going to make any money. Like, yeah, you're going to, you might enjoy yep. the outcome of what you do, but just be prepared for there to be a lot of heartache, for there to be a lot of unfulfilled missions for, for you not to see everything through. And while some of that has taken place in trying to build a more equitable world. Yeah, it it has taken place. But at the end of the day, I think the people that were telling me that were not really entrenched with some of the amazing leaders that I have had the opportunity of coming into contact with Mm -hmm. that have really, truly changed the world for the better. I think that, you know, even if, you know, at the end of the day, the outcome is not what we may have expected or it's not what we would have chosen to be the first outcome you know, I at least want to have said, we talked about it, we did something about it and there is a price to pay. You know, ultimately, I think that everyone has, should have the opportunity to tell their story. And obviously as a fundraiser, we occupy a really privileged space where we get to tell those stories. And as long as we can maintain integrity, we can really fight for the work that's most important and make it very clear why some of these missions and need to be funded. And we can also, you know, it's, it's just really interesting because we can also, you know, from that privileged space, you know, sway where the funding is going, you know, mm-hmm. and, or another. and so I find it extremely important to be very mindful of the stories that we are telling, how we tell them, as well as the ways in which we bring in funding that, you know, to ultimately do the best work as, you know, possible um, without compromising the community that we say we're here for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I get very frustrated when I hear nonprofits say, well, the work we do is not political because I think they're confusing (laughs) political and partisan, you know? So yeah, the work you do should not be partisan unless you are a part, unless you are um, an advocacy organization set up that way. But no matter what your mission is, there is someone out there who's trying to defund you. There is someone out there that is 
saying that you don't deserve funding or that your community is not worthy of resources. I mean, no matter what you do, you're going to get pushback, hopefully not as much pushback, you know, hopefully not so much that it makes your work hard to do. But what do you say to people that say, you know, fundraising, nonprofit work, we should just put our heads down. It's not political. (laughs) What's your response? Uh, Probably a chuckle. That's probably like... Yes, me too. And... I would probably say you've got the wrong one. You more than likely have the wrong industry. You have the wrong people. You, I am not the one um, to put my head down for any of that, to be honest. I mean, and again, it's, it's, it's just to me almost an oxymoron because like as fundraisers, we are supposed to be telling the most critical stories. We are supposed to be in this space to make it clear what the possibilities are with access to capital. And so if I'm doing my job appropriately, my eyes are on the prize. My eyes are fully aware of what is going on around me. And I am capable of doing the research necessary to provide the proof that any circumstance may be happening, even if it is through just a story. So no, I will, I will never keep my head down because how am I supposed to know what's going on? You know? Mm-hmm. And then I think it's all of our due diligence to really create safe spaces for each other and create spaces where the people that we are working with and partnering with for the betterment of our entire community, uh, we're listening to them. And so if there is at any point that someone is pointing out something that we need to be aware of as fundraisers, like there should be no reason that your head is, you know, at your desk and, and, and unaware of what's going on ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, Nothing happens in a vacuum. Nothing happens in a vacuum and that good, that good intention is not enough. It's not enough to really make an impact. That good intention is not enough to really, you know, pass the test of, of time and, and, and allow yourself to succeed as a fundraiser. We don't want to do any harm, but you, you inact, inactiveness is, can be very harmful. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think it is very hard for people, especially coming out of 2020, hard for organizations to really step out of their comfort zone and challenge the status quo, but they should have been doing that forever. So that's what I say to them. It's (laughs) like, it shouldn't have taken a pandemic and Black Lives Matter protests to wake you up from your slumber, people. Like you should have been doing this work for a long time. So you say that, I know your company focuses on ethical digital fundraising, right? So can you tell us what that means and maybe give us a few tips on how we can ensure, because a lot of people listening are digital fundraisers, how we can ensure that we are being as ethical as possible, or at least putting processes in place. For sure. To me, that has the most... uh, So there's, there's two different things that I like to focus on. And one of them is the way in which you utilize technology as well as the storytelling. Mm-hmm. So there is no digital fundraising that is not hand in hand with marketing, right? And digital marketing. But storytelling for me is a really huge part of how successful it, you know, your fundraising is going to be, as well as how ethical you may be, you know, in this space. And so what I mean by that is that like today with the power of technology, in two clicks, you might share some of the most amazing and inspiring stories. And really drive up your donations in an instant, right? 
But at the same time, are you considering the source of these stories? Are you considering uh, the integrity of them? Are you considering whether it is appropriate for you to share these stories without permission for, you know, your own organization's reasons, you know? And so I think that there's a lot of things as it relates to storytelling that you have to consider when you're in a digital space to be ethical. And so, you know, you want to insist on honesty and transparency in telling your stories. And so one of the first things that I say is that, you know, create a measure of what is appropriate for you as an organization to sell, to tell certain stories and, and don't be quick and hasty. I think in fundraising, of course, there's a lot of times where we do have to act quickly, but make sure that it meets the requirements that your organization has to tell certain stories. And don't just share anyone's stories without permission, without, you know, compensating the storytellers. And so, like I said, things can move very quickly on the internet. And I think it's extremely important for organizations to set boundaries for themselves so that you know, they maintain their own transparency and integrity. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is just utilizing technology that does not actually harm the community that you're intending to serve. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So I, so I think, you know, a couple of years ago, especially, you know, during the, you know, most previous presidency, we saw a lot of how technology kind of just took this information. Yes. Still doing it. Yeah, there was a lot of information that was scrubbed from community members where they were unaware of what was going on. You know, a lot of this information is used for political purposes and sometimes consumer, uh, you know, consumerism or whatever the case is and capitalism, whatever, whichever road you Mm -hmm. want to go down today. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the end of the day, there is still somewhat of a benefit that nonprofits receive from this information as well. And so in any space that we are in, you know, technology wise, we, we need to be as transparent as possible in how we're gathering information and as well as letting our donors know exactly what information we're asking from them and how we're going to use it. And I want us to be on our toes the same way that other industries need to be on their toes. Not mm-hmm. that they are, but right. I want us to be on, the, on our toes in the same way because it's easy to manipulate and it's easy to be manipulated in this in the technology world. And so I just want to plead with organizations to be aware of the changing infrastructure of technology as it happens so quickly and be aware of sometimes these new platforms that come out that may be really helpful and supportive of your fundraising, uh, but also maybe almost a barrier for some other individuals and communities. You know, I think that we have to question the ethical movements of some of the really famous platforms that we utilize and make it clear where we stand. And if we make a mistake, you know, be transparent in that and, you know, talk about that mistake and talk about how we're going to move forward. So those are the two things that I really think are critical in in ensuring that we are doing what's appropriate you know, in these spaces is being mindful of our storytelling and its technology that we're using. Hey there, I'm interrupting this episode to share an absolutely free training that I created that's getting nonprofits of all sizes, big results. Sure. You've been spending hours on social media, but what can you actually show for it? With all this posting and Instagramming and TikToking, does it really translate into action? 
In my free training, I'll show you exactly how to take people from passive fans to passionate supporters, and I'll give you specific steps to create social media content that actually converts. Head on over to nonprofitsthatconvert.com. Again, that's nonprofitsthatconvert.com and start building a thriving social media community for your nonprofit right now without a big team, lots of tech overwhelm, or getting stuck on the question, what do I do next? Let me show you how it's done. I can't wait to see what you create. I just want to ask your opinion because I really have mixed feelings about social media and social media fundraising in particular. Mm -hmm. So my mixed feelings are not, oh, Facebook doesn't give us the data. That's not important. I mean, I think that's another rabbit hole I could go down, but people know my feelings on that. I love any platform that can democratize philanthropy, make giving easy and make giving, you know, increase equity in giving because people can do it from their phones. They don't have to have it connected to a bank account or they don't have to write checks, things like that. But is it ethical to continue to use Facebook? This is a question that I struggle with mm-hmm. almost every single day. So I, I'd be really interested to hear your point of view and maybe what advice you would give to nonprofits out there that are kind of struggling. Is it ethical to be on Twitter? Is it ethical to be on these platforms? So it is such a difficult question to answer mm-hmm. because obviously I, I would say that it almost is like the same question of like, hey, should you still be buying from Amazon? Should you still be using Amazon? Uh, yeah, so, I just bought something from Amazon today. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Quickly, though, literally, I was I was talking to my sister about something like, oh, yeah, I think they have that on Amazon. She's like, I don't want to do that anymore. That man is going to space. And like, I just can't take it. So I'm like, I get it. I understand. Quick answer. Let's be honest. No. You know, the, we're, we are actively use a lot, utilizing systems that are very oppressive in nature and as a whole. And so it is difficult to be able to clearly say, I don't think it's a problem. Yes. I, you know, it is what it is, blah, 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 blah. But I really think if we just have a short answer of, of no, that allows us to be transparent about where we stand as individuals. And then from there, you can say, okay, here, here is what my organization is trying to do to make an impact in these spaces. Mm-hmm. Here is how we are trying to change the way we fundraise in these spaces or the way we actively engage. I do think that sometimes with some of these platforms, while certain aspects may be unethical, we also recognize the power of movement through these mm-hmm. platforms. Exactly. Ways that, you know, I don't know whether they, they intended or did not intend. You know, it is nothing for us to get on the internet on a Tuesday on Twitter and roast Twitter at the same time. Mm-hmm. It is nothing for us to do that. And so I, I think that in all of these spaces, we have to remember our power. Mm-hmm. We have to remember what we do really ultimately has an impact on the bottom line for these org- for these companies. And so in those spaces, we have an opportunity to demand our needs mm-hmm. and over as long as we need to until we get to a space where we feel like they're doing things appropriately or at least better. Because we're also in a space where like nobody's going to like leave Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter. It's just not, it's not even fathomable today. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so 
You can keep your short answer, but you can also actively do things that are asking these organizations and these companies to maintain accountability. Exactly. For their actions. They're not going to go anywhere Mm -hmm. right now, but things are always changing. Like Mm -hmm. you just have to think like 20 years ago, this was not a thing. So this is not the end. This is not even the beginning, to be honest. Like this, this is a moment in time. And so we have to maintain accountability of our actions and ask better of each other for the next platform that's going to come out or the next space of fundraising and giving that's going to take up space. Yeah. I love that. Use your voice and use your power because with great power comes great responsibility. Absolutely. I think RuPaul said that. So um, (laughs) I completely agree. I think it's such a quandary for people in the fundraising profession, for people in marketing because they see the damage Mm -hmm. that these platforms have caused, but it's quote unquote free. And it's really for some nonprofits, it's one of the only ways they have other than maybe email to be, they don't have the money for press releases. They don't have the money for PR. They don't have, you know, money for TV ads. It's really one of the ways that they're getting their message out there. Um, So what are some of your other favorite channels to fundraise for fundraising and storytelling? So number one, I would say, I always go back to email. Like Mm -hmm. I always feel like there are things that are going to pop up. And I don't know if this is just that I happen to be of the generation that I'm a part of, but there are Mm -hmm. things that are going to pop up, different platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. There's another platform. I'm forgetting the name, but it's like a, it's a gamer platform. I know you know it, Julia. Twitch? Which, you know, like there are all of these different spaces that people gather in that have the opportunity to be places of fundraising for our organizations. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, Facebook is like kind of owning that space. But I do really feel like I am really invest in your email marketing, period. Like invest Mm -hmm. in your email fundraising. And do that ethically, too. (laughs) Do that ethically, too. Right. Like you, I, I feel like that space is where you really can create a culture of communication and giving that is not reliant on the changing policies and aspects of these, some of these other platforms. And so of course, certain, you know, email platforms do change their policies for sure, but, you know, create your community in that space Mm -hmm. and make it work for you as an organization, and then incorporate some of these other social uh, media platforms, you know, as you move through forward. But as far as like my favorite, like I said, I think email would have to be that. And then mm-hmm. I would probably go into utilizing Facebook, probably. I would mm-hmm. I would say that. And also, you know, it's it's so funny too, because every time a new platform comes out, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, I gotta go learn something else. Oh, <laughs> I know, trust me, huh? <laughs> and you know what's what's so so crazy is that it's easy to get frustrated. But it's so beautiful to see some of the ways that like the younger generations are coming up yes. in spaces and how they are using their voice for, for powerful missions. And they're organizing in the most powerful, in the most amazing ways. Mm-hmm. And so anytime that, you know, I'm looking to learn a new platform or something, I'm, I'm trying to find where the young people are because I know that they are using all of their creative bones in their bodies to really create a unique space of communication. I love that. I completely agree. And what I 
the, the challenge is for a lot of people probably listening to this podcast, a lot of my clients is that I would say I am included in this. It's so hard for us to authentically go in these spaces <laughs> and participate in an authentic way. That's not sort of like, Hey, everybody, here's my nonprofit. Here's my marketing message right. and really learn how to adapt to the tools But what I always say is that it's really not about the tools. Like you said, there's going to be new platforms popping up probably during our conversation, definitely in the next year or so. What matters is that you are using them ethically, but also using them in a way that can best grow your organization. So if your audience is not on Instagram or TikTok, then that's fine. Don't get stressed out about it. I know the recent change with Instagram, people are really worried about they're going to go to video entirely to video. And I was reading the press release and I said, there's really no way they're going to go entirely to video, but the trend has been pointing towards video for years and years and years. So a lot of these changes, nothing, you know, shouldn't really surprise us, but Oh my gosh, we're kind of at time. We've been, we talk for a million years. I want to ask you one question about the future of digital fundraising. What are some of the trends that you're seeing and yeah, so I, it's so funny that you asked that question because I was literally thinking about it and I'm like, one of the things that I thought was so cool that came out of like the last year was yes. obviously like the boom in like virtual fundraising. Mm-hmm. And so, one of, specifically, the opportunity for us to be face to face and not actually face to face is really significant mm-hmm. uh, because it's important as it relates to accessibility. And um, I don't want us to I don't want us to forget about that, you know, as we go back into, you know, literally being in person again. So I see that I don't see virtual fundraising going completely away. And I see that us only, you know, creating more opportunities of exposure and fundraising together as time goes on. But also really on demand donations is something that I think is pretty cool. And by that, I mean like those, that quick giving opportunity. You know, we talked about sharing messaging earlier in two two clicks. And in the same way, you might be able to donate. And that's just like, it seems like we've been donating in two clicks for a while, but now we're really donating in two clicks. Mm -hmm. Like with Venmo, with Apple Pay, the opportunity that we have now to kind of share cute little messages with each other when we send our gifts in. Like, Mm -hmm. I just think that is totally dope. And I, and I love that, you know, Google pay and Apple pay and Venmo um, cash app are really getting, Mm -hmm. getting into the space of giving and philanthropic support. You know, again, we want to make sure that we're holding all of these organizations and companies accountable for their actions as they move into the space. But at the same time, I see that only growing as time goes on. And so we really have to prepare ourselves as fundraisers to be able to make it very clear what our mission is and what our ask is, you know? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that again has to do with us just making sure, you know, that we're very clear about where our funding is going, where our funding is coming from and, you know, what it does in an instant. And so some of this takes time, but I do want us to prepare ourselves for quick giving in a way that we did not, you know, see coming. Quick frictionless giving. And the way that giving has really kind of morphed into the way consumers 
purchase things. I mean, because consumers are donors. So donor behavior follows consumer behavior. You're not just like you said about Amazon, you're not going to wait to buy from Amazon and enter your credit card every time. You're going to click two times. (laughs) I always say this. Imagine if you opened up Netflix and it had no idea who you were. Imagine if you opened up Hulu or any of the other platforms, New York, even the New York Times, I have a subscription. We're so used to the personalization and we're so used to the ease of just the ease of use and getting what we want when we want it that we're slowly going to lose patience for cumbersome forms and things that are not mobile optimized and things that are not frictionless. And our information, like, you know, when we go to put in, like, uh, so let me tell you. And I, mm-hmm. two things. One, yes. I am like a junkie for like reading people's, you know, hey, let's talk about frictionless giving. 14 ways you can do this is that I, I read it all, right? I, yep. As soon as I click something, they're like, here she go again. You know, this is, is this your email? This is your name? It's your phone <laughs> number? Just click submit. And I'm like, all right, as long as y'all know, you know, yes. and, and in a way, like, of course, we know that like you're panning over that information because I, I want to read something, right? And so it, it just happens so quickly. Like Facebook is not going to forget who you are and what you need. You know, you've been telling them for however long. And so as fundraisers, we do have to adapt to that culture, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, try as deeply as possible to maintain our integrity. But one thing that you said that I also want to speak on that has to do with your earlier question mm-hmm. um, about whether we think these spaces are ethical or mm-hmm. not is I will not give up belief that we can make these spaces exactly what we want them to be. Choosing whether or not you're going to go to this grocery store or that grocery store is one decision. And we may at the end of the day still feel like these are corporations that do not benefit us. But as the longer we say this, the longer we keep talking to each other, the more we keep shouting from the rooftop that these things are not okay. You know, um, the culture that your employees are working in is unacceptable. The more people kind of float up into these spaces of, I don't want to say control, but these leadership spaces that can make certain changes. And so, for example, one of the grocery stores out here, H-E-B, like there's a Texas joke that we say like H-E-B should be running the country. And (laughs) not to say that like they are perfect in any way, but the leadership that they have put in place, these people are coming from nonprofit organizations. They are coming places of community that really have a deep interest in investing in their communities directly. Like it's not just about selling you like the, the latest grocery, because when Texas had their storm, there were so many stores that lost. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. ATVs were like, listen, if you're in the store, just take the grocery you need. And I don't know who allowed that to happen. I don't know how that happened, wow. but I do know that when I say that store came in full force supporting their community, they were not playing. And so that has to do with the leadership that they're putting into place and aligning themselves with a vision that is similar to what we do Mm -hmm. in our organizations. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we can change the culture of growth in some of these spaces, but we just cannot stop talking about it, you know, and sometimes engaging. Oh my gosh. That on that note, that's a perfect note to end on. We did not even get to talk about your book. We'll have to have you on another time. Absolutely. This was phenomenal. I love I want everyone to leave on that note of we can make things what we want them to be. Yes. And we don't have to 
we don't have to accept the status quo. We can use our voice. We can use our power. We can use our money. We can use our values and we can make things how we want them to be little by little. So I think that's really inspiring. <laughs> so Julia, just yes, wants- tell people, um, Suhila, where they can find you and follow along with you. Yeah, you guys follow follow me on Twitter's, follow me on LinkedIn, and I am at at su wahid, and I'll be in these spaces, you know, just creating chaos. And the last thing that I just wanted to leave on you yes. is to say, you know, I always remember and recognize how my ancestors changed their state of of, of environment by active engagement. And so, just know that if if they can do it. You know, my African-American ancestors that come from North Carolina, you could do it as well. So um, just keep pushing. Thank you. We'll put all of the links to Giving Geeks, to Suhaila on LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, We'll put it all in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. Yay. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed our conversation. Well, hey there. I wanted to say thank you for tuning into my show and for listening all the way to the end. If you really enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and you'll get new episodes downloaded as soon as they come out. I would love if you left me a rating or a review because this tells other people that my podcast is worth listening to. And then me and my guests can reach even more earbuds and create even more impact. So that's pretty much it. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode, but until then, you can find me on Instagram at juliacampbell77. Keep changing the world, you nonprofit unicorn. <laughs>